The SECURE Act drove federal taxes and tax law deeper into the lives of those other than spouses who inherit the wealth you leave behind. It made estate planning more crucial than ever. And don't wait until you're at death's door. Here with a few pointers, the Director of Wealth Management at the Government Employees Benefit Association, Greg Klingler. Greg, good to have you back. Thanks for having me, Tom. So as the end of the year approaches and people think about their estates and there's, uh, you know, all kinds of things going on with open season and so on, people do need to think about what comes after them. <laughs> their money is still there. They're not. But the SECURE Act really did change things profoundly, and maybe people are just dawning onto it. Give us the quick rundown. Yeah, so the SECURE Act, which we're coming up on the first anniversary of the SECURE Act, was passed in December of 2019. And it, it did a number of things, but one of the things that most directly affects legacy planning and, frankly, a lot of plans that people have already put in place is it diminished the power of what we call the stretch IRA. So what the stretch IRA is, it's the ability to, for an heir, a non-spousal heir, to stretch out their distributions over effectively the course of their lifetime. Now, withdrawals from an IRA or a qualified plan, it's subject to ordinary income tax. So if you can take it out in smaller pieces you're going to be subject to smaller or a lower tax rate. A lower tax rate over the course of your lifetime ultimately saves you money. So that was really the big, strong benefit of the stretch IRA, especially for federal employees who, frankly, a lot of them pass away with money in the TSP. The SECURE Act said we need to squeeze in that time frame down that you, you must withdraw within 10 years. And this, when you say non-spousal heirs, that means kids too. In most cases, it absolutely is kids. It's going to affect them the most in most cases. So is there anything with respect to estate planning that you can do to mitigate it at all? Absolutely. So a lot of people who have had the stretch IRA as part of their estate plan, they're now revisiting their other options. But generally, when it comes to estate planning, a lot of people think wills and trusts. And Tom, I want to be clear, I, I am not a lawyer. I don't pretend to be one. There's a lot of things you can do outside of your traditional wills and trusts that allow for you to effectively and efficiently pass money to your heirs. When we talk about past money the heirs, most people think tax efficiency. But there are definitely times where we also need to think, okay, do I need to control my money from the grave? Is my grandchild mature enough to handle this very large windfall and handle it wisely? Because I can tell you, when I was 18, I'm not 100% sure I could have taken a large windfall. So first steps, whether you're a federal employee or not, is make sure your beneficiaries are in check. We see so many people with Akiba Wealth Management who they pass away and we find out their beneficiary is their deceased spouse who passed away three years early. And then where does that money go? Um, and does it go to the person who they want it to go to? Cause you're at that point, you're sitting in probate uh, titling, making sure that your accounts, your house are titled appropriately because if it's titled appropriately, that too allows you to avoid the cost of probate and having somebody else dictate where your money goes. So those are free. Those are inexpensive. Those are typically where you want to start. Um, and then at that point, the question is, where do you go from there? But is there any way to convert the TSP funds or your IRA, if that's the case, to some other way that's not as much subject to the tax? I don't think there's any way around that, though, is there? So there's no way around that from the IRA perspective. You have 10 years to spend it. You don't have to take out required minimum distributions. You just have to take it out within 10 years. You can take it out over the course of 10 years each and every year, or you can take it out at the end of 10 years, which I generally don't recommend. The federal employees, they're a bit of in a, a little bit more of a complex situation. Typically speaking, what we see is most surviving spouses, they maintain the TSP that their deceased spouse had. And there's some benefits to doing that. The low fees are typically the one that's mentioned the most when it comes to TSP. 
but there are some weaknesses to having a surviving spouse maintain it over the course of their life. A surviving spouse is going to be given what's called a beneficiary participant account. It's just a fancy term for this is not an employee TSP, it's the surviving spouse TSP. And if the owner of the beneficiary participation account dies, the TSP requires you to pay it out lump sum to your heirs. You can't even stretch it out over the 10 years anymore. It's lump sum, which can be a very, very large piece of tax consequence when you think that there's tens of thousands of TSP millionaires out there. In other words, if you leave it to the spouse and the spouse dies after you, then you have this instant rollover and 100% and the tax rate could be 50% of it. Yeah. When you look at people with account values of 50 or 100, 500, a million dollars, yes, it would be top, top tax bracket. And there, there is discussions about that top tax bracket actually being increased over the next couple of years. So it, it could be a very, very large tax consequence, which means a discussion with that surviving spouse really should happen if we care about tax efficiency and passing money to our heirs. We're speaking with Greg Klingler. He's Director of Wealth Management at the Government Employees Benefit Association. And so you can't get around outliving your spouse or your spouse outliving you. Uh, So what do you suggest people do with IRS? Should they convert in some way toward the end of their life to make it more tax efficient? That is a very good point, and that's typically a conversation that needs to be had primarily with, again, that surviving spouse. The question is not really if, especially if tax efficiency is a concern, and most for most people it is. The question more so is a when. You know, the TSP has some very good aspects to it, primarily the fees. Now, with, with that being said, the TSP has some weaknesses as well. The, uh, the I-Fund is a bit legislatively handcuffed in the fact that it can't invest in some things that its peers can, and it does lag its peers. The F-Fund is a little bit weak in the fact that it's passive and not actively managed. But all in all, the C fund and the S fund are excellent funds that every portfolio should have. So when do you make that transition? That's, that's really the key. Yeah, and it shouldn't be when you suddenly develop some end-of-life stage disease or you're 89 years old or something. You're saying in general that you should start while you still are able to have some planning horizon ahead of you. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it would would be a lot easier to plan if we all were sitting in front of a crystal ball and we knew exactly what was going to happen. Um, But the reality of it is being conservative and planning a little bit earlier than you probably think you should, that typically benefits people more than anything else. Yeah. If we all knew the day we would leave this earth and we'd spend every dollar until that day, you know, the kids say you're on your own, you know. And on that theme of protecting the spouse and the heirs beyond you with the wealth that you've accumulated, what about your health insurance coverage, your life insurance coverage? How do you handle those? In most cases, we find this is going to directly affect the spouse. Um, So just understand the key that you have to maintain this insurance for at least five years before you retire. When you do that, you can effectively carry this type of insurance, whether it be health insurance or Fegley insurance, life insurance, into retirement. Um, What we generally see from a life insurance standpoint is Fegley is very well used over the course of the first like five, maybe 10 years into retirement. Um, After 10 years, because it is age-based pricing, most people are priced out of Fegley. So if you only need it for five or 10 years, maintaining Fegley could make a lot of sense, especially if you have some health issues. But if you are in good health and you're going to need coverage for a longer period of time, let's say your spouse is much younger than you or much healthier than you, or you have a special needs child or you had a child very, very late in life, those are times where you probably want to think at something more along the lines of a permanent 
individual policy, taking advantage of the cheap rates associated with your good health and ensuring that the cost of insurance doesn't basically outrun you because things like Fegley in your 70s and your 80s, you will see that a lot. I Um, guess you really need life insurance at that point in your life. Yeah, and that's really the key. Most people don't. Um, But there again, there are situations like the younger spouse or the healthier spouse or the special needs child where that small group of people absolutely needs to plan. And that planning should take place probably when they're retiring. Generally, I recommend legacy planning taking place kind of in retirement, you know, maybe seven to 10 years in once you know your retirement's comfortable, once you have a good grasp of the cash flow. But for people with those unique needs, legacy planning is part of retirement planning. All right. Good note to leave it on. Greg Klingler is Director of Wealth Management at the Government Employees Benefit Association. Thanks so much. Thank you, Tom. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.